Harvey Norman 130, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. Live on SEN Track, Latrobe Valley 91.9 FM and SEN Track, Southwest Gippsland 91.3 FM. Welcome to Saturdays in Gippsland. Yeah, happy good morning, Gippsland. Welcome. We're here at Wonthaggy as we speak, courtesy of the great guys at Harvey Norman. In fact, we're actually outside the South Gippsland Sentinel Times as we prepare for two hours of sport with a really special focus on those that have achieved as, a, as Gippsland born and bred, more often than not, athletes or competitors in some capacity. And we really look forward to entertaining you and entertaining ourselves over the next two hours. Rob Popplestone and Sam Watson. Hey, Swatter. Hey, Poppy, how are you? Yeah, I'm going okay. What a beautiful morning. What a beautiful morning in Gippsland. Yeah, it's uh, a great time of the year this year. Not too hot. Not too cold. Not too cold. Just right, as Goldilocks would say. Not a, not a breath of wind, really. Beautiful. Thank God, for once. Uh, yeah, absolutely gorgeous. This is what living in Gippsland is all about. There's a bit of freshness in the air. The skies are absolutely blue. We're in blue. We're in for an absolute beautiful day. We've got a crow in the background. <laughs> Waiting for us to talk to Aussie Jones, amongst <laughs> other people. Jeez, I tell you what, that uh, I wonder what Aussie Jones thinks about that 97 grand final. That's one that got away, wasn't it? Uh, they, uh, they were hot favourites. Yeah, they, they were. And it, it was a dominant last quarter from Andrew Jarman, I believe. Darren Jarman. Darren Jarman, yeah, sorry. He was outstanding, Darren Jarman, on that particular day. The Saints were hot, hot favourites. Jeez, they had a line-up and a half and... We'll be talking to Ozzy Jones about that, amongst other things. And Cameron White, one of the uh, state's great cricketers, in fact, one of the country's great cricketers, uh, will be having a chat over the next two hours with us as well. Yeah, it's very much looking forward to chatting to Cameron. We, there's not too many people that um, get on ra- local radio shows that have captained Australia. So right. um, very, very excited to talking to him. And after that, we'll be talking to the women's winner of the tour of Gippsland, Georgie Howe. Yeah, now looking forward to talking to Georgie. We'll catch up with uh, Blairy as well, Joe Blair, who yeah, he, I believe was coached, you said, by Aussie Jones. He was. He was. 2008, Aussie Jones coached Gippsland Power after a stint at Narry Warren, where he won back-to-back flags there. Uh, and Blairy obviously thrived under Aussie, winning the Gippsland Power best and fairest. And... The Morris Medal, the league best and fairest it's amazing. in the TSA Cup. Yeah, one career had just finished, another one was just starting. It'd be interesting for Ozzy to reflect back on what he saw in Jared Blair and whether he, he would have believed what Blair he achieved was possible at that time. Hey, great news that at least uh, Dan Andrews, who sometimes the odd person might be critical of, one or two, in every one or two, uh, but he suggested that uh, Victoria could host the Commonwealth Games. Now, normally I wouldn't get too excited about the Commonwealth Games. I wouldn't. But the very fact they're bigger than the Winter Olympics, so it said, and I believe that, and the fact that he's thinking about taking it to regions around Victoria sort of has me half excited. Has me half excited. Because then you start to think, okay, what could Gippsland host? We're sitting in Wonthaggy, for instance. If we were to host a Commonwealth Games event in Wonthaggy, what would it be? Sorry to put you on the spot. See, Tarelgan, I've, I've just driven from Tarelgan, so I'll give you a bit of thinking time here. I've just driven from Tarelgan. Now, in the last fortnight, we've had an NBL game. I reckon it was, I reckon it was uh, the Tigers possibly playing the Phoenix. Last week, it was uh, the it Vixens. Was the Phoenix, it was the South East Melbourne Phoenix playing someone. Yeah. Um, I, forget, I forget who they played. And then we'll last week, it was the Melbourne Vixens taking on the Adelaide Thunderbirds. So all of a sudden, Tarelgan has its hand up for... 
basketball and netball because it's got a stadium that has proven to be able to host the uh, the elite. Now, you, if you go down to Lakes Entrance mm-hmm. or the Gippsland Lakes there, there's yep. all sorts of yachting and kayaking and all those water events that could be hosted there. But what happens, what do we do in Wonthaggy? It's been known as Moey by the Sea. It, so what would we do here? Well... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil what we had in mind for Maui, but but uh, I, I, I'm I'm looking through the Olympic sports list and nothing's really sticking out to me for one thing. Obviously, Phillip Island. It's not too surfing. far away. Surfing. surfing. So yep. you could go surfing. You could probably do uh, what's that one where they got the uh, on the ocean with the uh, sail and yeah, you paraglide, to, pa- paragliding. Is it? No. Uh, uh, sailing. Board. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You can tell... Kite surfing. I, I think you can tell that we put a fair bit of effort and preparation into our thoughts on this, but it was just interesting, wasn't it? So if we went to Maui, for instance, we talked about Wonthaggy being Maui by the sea. If we went to Maui... What do you think would happen in Maui, Rob? Look, I, I, I think breaking into cars? Yeah. Is that, would that be a Commonwealth Games event? Well, but Morwell would probably be in hot competition because Morwell, in recent years, possibly... As, as you said before, um, we, as, joking, as you said before we came on, on air, it, it, uh, it does take a fair bit of skill and you need to show a bit of pace once you do, <laughs> once the, you hard, do, once you do the hard work of breaking in. You have to show a bit of pace. <laughs> you do too. Hey, we're taking the P155, but I've got to say, you know, uh, Gippsland, I think, has a fair bit to offer. We've got uh, the ability, obviously, to host track events and, uh, to, and we've proven, haven't we, in recent weeks that cycling uh, here, especially road events, can be hosted successfully. As I said, we've got the lakes and the surf. We've got a beautiful country throughout Gippsland, and I'm sure there'd be a lot of people putting their hands up. But, you know, if you go through, and as you're driving around in the car, what would places like Lee and Gather and Inverloch, Phillip Island, Wonthaggy, Mowell, Moey, Mafra, Terrelgan, what would those players, places be able to host? It'd be interesting to see what places would actually put their hand up and what they could successfully host. And sometimes we undervalue ourselves, I'd, I'd reckon. Sometimes. Uh, I reckon. I, I reckon Karambara would be able to host something got to do with that you need with hills. Uh, Longboarding? Skateboarding? Yeah, something like... You know what? It, it, as silly as it sounds, and we can come up with all sorts of events, because at the end of the day, didn't we have break dancing at the latest Olympics? We did. And you know what they're proposing in 2028? What's Esports. That? Video games. Oh, I reckon I'm a chance. Do you play video games? Oh, no, every now and then. But well, What do you play? Um, mainly sporting video games. Yeah, like okay. FIFA. But so, so what do you think about video games being involved in the Olympics? To me, it doesn't sit right. But, no, either, but either did breakdancing. It doesn't sit right with me either. I'm, I'm still sort of getting over synchronised swimming. So I think everyone <laughs> sort of got those sports, haven't they, that are either in or that, uh, potentially being considered to the, be entered. The International Olympic Committee are on record saying that they want to get the Olympic Games more... Contemporary. Uh, yeah, more contemporary, more in touch with our youth. So you well, can't mate, rule anything out. I wonder then if they don't start a competition for lying in bed until one o'clock <laughs> in the afternoon Yeah. before they get up, cook toast, and then go back to bed and play video games. Yeah, the, it, on the, to, to, <laughs> to counter, to counter, there are some very skillful video game players out there, and yeah, until sure. you know 
until you've played the games, you don't really realise how skillful these guys are. But it doesn't. It, as somebody, I enjoy video games, but watching people play video games doesn't interest me whatsoever. No, no, no. And and to me, there's a mixture of skill, but mm. there has to be a mixture. There has to be some sort of physical exertion, surely. Yeah, I, surely. Yeah, I, the to I be think, considered the sport. Going back to my point, I think most people enjoy watching video games for the fun, like for the like they like watching people play and doing funny things, not actually competing, trying to yeah. compete and win an Olympic gold medal. But who knows? And for those sort of my vintage, I mean, if they brought Pac-Man and Space Invaders in as a potential game, hey, can't rule anything out. Uh, uh, all of a sudden, the, the 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 ability for me to wear green and gold has sort of increased. <laughs> <laughs> significantly. Hey, we, look, we're going to be talking seriously. We're going to be talking all sorts of sport. As we said, Ozzy Jones is going to join us, one of the great AFL players. Cameron White, one of the great cricketers. Georgie Howe, who had success on the uh, road recently. Jared Blair, the coach of Wonthaggy, recently married. In fact, we haven't spoken to Blairy no, since, since he's been since married. Since he tied the knot, no. Did he, did he go on a... He would have went on a honeymoon I'm, somewhere. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure he did, but we'll have to find out where. And And... Bo Vernon made the point that on the day he was going to get married, we it actually had a downpour, a, a superstorm, yep. that put the uh, wedding under pressure. We'll find out about that from Blairy. So mm-hmm. as much as we're going to talk sport, we're going to have a little talk about weddings and honeymoons as well with Jared Blair. I'm sure he'll be so excited about that. Loads more. We'll be talking about all the sporting issues that are on the uh, lips of most people around Gippsland and the country. So... If you want to get involved, you can uh, keep tuned where you are right now. Where we are right now is in Wonthaggy, outside the South Gippsland Sentinel Times. But we're here for Harvey Norman Wonthaggy. They're really terrific people. In fact, Harvey Norman Wonthaggy is your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. We'll be back in just a few moments. Yes, indeed, you are listening to Saturdays in Gippsland on SEN Track 91.3 and South West Gippsland and 91.9 SEN Track Latrobe Valley. You know, we, on a weekly basis, talk to some of the very best sporting uh, competitors or athletes or footballers or whatever it might be in Gippsland. And sometimes they only have to have driven through the area and that's good enough for us to claim them. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And, and, And this particular bloke... Well, he spent a bit more time than driving through the area. He actually spent a bit of time coaching Gippsland, and that's good enough for us to reflect back on what it was a great career. And he, We're talking and about Aussie Jones. He's currently involved at Bunyip Football Club. Exactly as well. right. Exactly right. Aussie Jones joins us right now. Hi, Aussie. How are you going? I'm, I'm a genuine Gippslander. Don't claim <laughs> that I drove, drove through. I, uh, I grew up on the fringe in, in Beaconsfield. Coach- you did? Uh, Coach Gippsland Power now live in Bunyip. I'm a genuine Gippslander. I'm, I'm you, in the gang. You're in the gang, mate. We're happy to have you in the gang, I tell you. We were waiting for a bit of a, a highlight to introduce you, so there was a gap there. Um, but there's been plenty of highlights in your career, Ozzy, I've got to tell you. But we were chatting, uh, actually, before we came on air today, we didn't realise that at the time you were coaching Gippsland, or uh, in, in this area, one young Jared Blair was uh, one of your players. Yeah, I saw... a. a I don't know if you got Blairy on today, but I, I thought somewhere have. that you guys are going to yeah going to talk to Blairy. I, I coached him; he was an absolute standout in the in the group that I had. He was uh, captain of our of our group, and um, didn't didn't surprise me at all that uh, he was going to get an opportunity at, at AFL level because an absolute leader, absolute workhorse, one of the best young men I've ever met. Now, Ozzy, um, thank you very much for joining the show, mate. Before we get on to your, what you got up to after your playing days, let's talk about 
your introduction to AFL football. And like a lot of the guests that we've had on so far, Poppy, it mm. wasn't the conventional one. You start, started with Collingwood in the reserves um, in, a bit, in, ni- in the early 90s, uh, mid-90s, sorry, and then got selected to St Kilda in 1994. Were, you, were there ever any doubts that you'd get picked up at the highest level, Ozzy? Oh, there was, there was certainly um, concern. So back, back in my time when you were playing in the TAC Cup, the AFL lists were, were quite short. So if an AFL reserve team uh, was, was running short, they'd call kids up from the TAC Cup and Collingwood and Melbourne uh, gave me an opportunity. I played with both of their reserve teams and pretty much basically uh, both of them sent a letter back to the Dandenong Stingrays, which they were called at the time saying, please don't send this kid uh, back to us again. He's, he's not up to it. He's too small. He's 60 kilos and he's shit frightened, basically. So uh, I knew Collingwood and Melbourne weren't going to pick me up in the draft. So I was quite happy when the Kilda did. And unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, the way the football journey might start or finish and the time you spent at St Kilda. And I'm, I'm going to chuck a couple of names at you later on just for a one-liner on each. But if you could summarise your time at St Kilda, there was a, there was a, a few highs and a few lows. Yeah, there, there was, and I, I pretty much sum it up in in one day. Uh, we were lucky enough and unfortunate enough to play an AFL grand final, and uh, a lot of your listeners out there probably have, have the dream to be an AFL footballer, and, and mine was summed up in, in one day, to be brutally honest. I, I love footy. I grew up loving the game. Uh, I got the opportunity to play on the MCG in grand final day, which is the absolute highlight of my career, and I'll argue with anyone to take that away from me but the low light is that when you come off as the as a losing losing team so um that the highs and lows for what i experienced in my career all happened within about three hours yeah yeah it's unbelievable that particular year st kilda were minor premiers of course i reckon you were an all australian in that year too from memory aussie in 97 and you get yourself to a grand final and you're a bees back leg away from winning that grand final and you know, as much as you should be proud of everything you achieved in your career, just to have that moment would have made it probably complete. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I, I retired pretty pretty young on on my term, so you know, I was sort of pretty much throughout my whole career, you know, uh, dictating how how it went and all all that sort of stuff. But to retire not a premiership player, um, it's not something that I, to be honest, I, I look back on too much. I actually look back on it fondly going, you know, I was I was 20 at, at the time and I was playing on the MCG on grand final day in front of 100,000 people. What, what an absolute highlight. And that, we were, we were going to play the audio of your goal there, Ozzy, just before we had you on. Is there, is, do you think that goal, which is one of the great goals in grand final history, do you think that goal would be brought up a bit more if you guys did end up winning that game? Uh, to be honest, in, in my house, I'm glad we didn't win because if, if it got brought up anymore, I, I, <laughs> I don't know what to do with myself. I've got a 12-year-old um, absolute obsessed football nut. It comes up enough in my house. There's a local footy club every now and again on Thursday night. We've had a few beers. Boys bring it up and put it in my face. So I don't want it being brought up any more than it does already at the moment. <laughs> hey, Ozzy, sit back and have a listen to this just quickly. Harvey out wide, Jones is running. And that's danger for the Crows. Costa and Bichut. <laughs> Jones, the length of the ground, nearly. 60 out, will he take the ball on? Handle inside to Thompson, a fumble. Back, Ozzy Jones goes with the left, kicks it and gets it. What a goal. 
All right, Ozzy, I'm serious. That's the last time. That's the last <laughs> time we're going to play it, okay? It's absolutely... oh, and, I'm, and I'm sure it's the last time I'll ever hear it too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just a couple of snippets. Uh, you, you talk about being, you know, uh, in control of your career. You were too, but you made the decision to retire early. Uh, and at that time, was it was it mental health issues at that time? Oh, I, I reckon if in today's day and age, it would probably go down in the in the mental health bracket. But uh, I was probably more of a really laid back sort of character and it was yep. becoming uh, a game where it was all uh, so much more about vision and meetings and all that sort of stuff and all I wanted to do was get the red thing in my hand and, and kick it and run around and get fit and, and kick the footy and, and the times were changing and they, to be honest they just didn't really suit me at the time Yeah, yeah, it's, it's funny, I, I reckon enjoy, if you lose the enjoyment of footy at any level, it, it doesn't matter if you're playing with your, you know, your, your local country side, if, if you're not enjoying what you do and I think sometimes coaches don't realise that they take the fun out of the game in pursuit of, you know, that professionalism. It, it it's not for everyone. No, uh, but t- totally agree. So I've, I've got the under-14s here at, at Bunyip this year and had the under-12s last year. And um, every time I ask them a question, I go, what's the most important thing about footy? And every single kid that I coach will say enjoyment. You know, it, yeah. it has to be number one. They've got to understand why they play footy, and it's to enjoy getting a kick, enjoy running around with their mates. Um, obviously, completely different at, at AFL level. You know, you've got to have that professionalism and all that sort of stuff. But if you're not enjoying it, we're going to lose some really, really talented kids yeah. uh, along the way. And I was just going back to your, to your playing days quickly, mate. You were All-Australian in, in 2004 as well, a year before you hung up the boots, and you had a range of coaches, Stan Alves, Tim Watson, Malcolm Blight for a short amount of time, and then Grant Thomas. Who, who do you think you played the best footy under? Uh, probably my first and my last coach, to, to be honest. Um, Stan gave me the opportunity to play AFL footy when a lot of, a lot of other coaches wouldn't have taken that opportunity, so I owe a lot to, to Stan, and in 2002, I was about to uh, go to go to Essendon. It was actually my call. I was keen to, be, keen to be traded, and Grant Thomas rang about 10 minutes before the trade deadline goes, uh, mate, I wouldn't mind sort of putting you across half back and using the skill to, to set us up, and that sort of convinced me to, to stay at the Saints, and you know, he was a, a big role model for me in, in the latter part of my career. Now, Ozzy, before we had you on, we've been talking about the potential of regional Victoria hosting uh, the Commonwealth Games and been speaking a little bit about sports that could be played. We touched on Malcolm Blight there. Is it true that he, he got a couple of players to do a bit of synchronised swimming at training once? Well, it is it is true. We training out at Monash Uni one pre-season and there was probably 40 of us and he picked out two blokes that had to stand in the middle of the circle and they were laying on their backs. You know, and if you can, all your listeners can picture, they were sort of kicking their, their legs in the air while they're laying in the back and sort of said to everyone, what, why are these two boys doing this? And we're sort of looking around and obviously one of the players who was a lot smarter than me goes, they're wearing the wrong shorts. They had uh, the, the equipment, the, the shorts on from the previous pre-season. They were in the wrong uniform and still had Saints on it, still had a sponsor on it and all that sort of stuff. But they had the, you know, 12-month-old shorts and bloody just uh, isolated them and picked on them and uh, that, that's just a true true bloody story because he was a yeah. strange strange man. Unbelievable. Would, would, would have those two guys meddled in synchronised swimming at a Commonwealth <laughs> Games level? Well, I, to be honest, I actually can't remember who they were. I can't remember both of them, but I know one of them was Stephen Baker 
Yeah. And he had no finesse in anything he did like. So, <laughs> synchronised swimming was not his go. Um, he wouldn't have meddled even if it was Australia versus Australia. <laughs> now, now, after you hung up the boots, Ozzy, you, you went on to captain, uh, a playing coach at Narry Warren where you won back-to-back flags. And then, and then you coached Gippsland Power in 2008. Who, who got you across to Gippsland Power and, and how, did you, uh, how did you enjoy your, your time there? I absolutely loved my time at Gippsland Power. And to, to be honest, it was actually uh, my, my wife who uh, sort of alerted me to the fact that Gippsland Power were looking for a coach. I basically went straight from the Saints to Narry Warren to coach them because my best mate uh, was a Narry legend at the, at the time. So I went to sort of play along, alongside him and obviously we had a little bit of success. And through that, once I applied for the, the Gippy job, they must have thought I was doing a reasonable job and yeah my wife alerted me to the fact that the, the job was on the offer and I applied and was lucky enough to spend one of the best 12 months of my life down there with a guy called Peter Francis who all you listeners will know just a absolute brilliant man um, everything good about Gippsland Power uh, is on the back of his, his shoulders he, he's done an amazing job to to leave it in the hands of people now that are, that are doing a fantastic job and he, he's built that club to something that everyone in our region respects and, and you then coached Beaconsfield and the now defunct Bendigo Gold in the VFL. Had a bit to do with Allen Bank in the interleague and also had a stint at Coralin, I believe, as coaching director. How did you end up at, at Bunyip in, in 2018, Aussie? Yeah, so uh, Coach, Coach Beaky, was my, which was my original home club, coached them for, for three years. And, and to be honest, they're playing the same club as, as Narry Warren, so it was hard to coach against them, but... It was my home club. The opportunity arose, so I uh, took that. Went up to Bendigo for a couple of years to coach a, a VFL side that had amazing supporters, um, some really, really good support from sponsors, but no backing from local players and um, the, the league up there. It was never, ever going to survive. Um, when I moved back from, from Bendigo, I moved into, into Bunyip, and, and one of my mates was coaching Coraline, so I wanted down there basically as, as an assistant, um, you know, half half ass sort of role to to be honest, but sort of help them out a a little bit. And then um, once that was sort of done, there obviously living in in Bunyip, I sort of spoke to the locals here and uh, committed my time to not only sort of coach the Bunyip Footy Club, but be involved in the in the committee and in embrace it as a footy club that my family will call home for a very long time. And and what and yeah, so what what is it about Bunyip that makes you want to call it home for a very long time, Aussie? Um, I think I mentioned earlier, you know, why I, why I retired early from the Secure um, Footy Club and, and the AFL is as a sort of laid-back nature type of person and, and living in a, a country town like I, I do now, I think that sort of suits my yeah. personality. And, you know, I've got two two young boys and I, I want them to be uh, brought up and surrounded by a footy club that I'm, I'm proud of, that does everything, not only to, to support these, these young guys, but it's a positive role model, model in, the, in the community. And I think I can help Bunyip um, become that as long as I'm around. Good on you, mate. That's a, it's great stuff to hear. I really, really respect that. You know, and, and if you look back at uh, that, that moment on, on the grand final day, that, that they sort of make up who you are. And, you know, I, I was looking at some of the players that you've played alongside. They're just legends of the game. If I, if I mention a couple of names, just... Give us whatever comes to your head. Rob Harvey. Superstar. As good as it gets. Nicky Winmar. Role model and mentor. Underrated. Spider Everett. 
tall, gangly, dreadlocked, weird dude. <laughs> Barry Hall. Uh, I'm not fighting him. <laughs> Stuart Lowe. Uh, six foot five, ball of muscle that's only got fitter after he retired. And Nathan Burke. Uh, tough knucklehead who's got more broken bones in his nose than I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and and just, just to finish off, Ozzy, the, uh, our uh, SEN team were down at St Kilda Membership Day the other day and there are lot, lots of talk about the Saints and Rats' future. I know you're a pretty big fan of Rats. Do you think he'll, he'll be able to get the team back into the finals this year and, and um, hold his spot as coach for a long time? Uh, just, I just, I'm so far removed from the from the modern game that I I don't I don't know I, I love Brett Radden I love the way he talks I love the way he coaches the players if I was a current player I'd love to play under a guy like Brett yeah. Radden and I think the Saints will improve in in 2022 I don't know if it's enough to to play finals because it's such a competitive uh, sport but I just wish Rats all the best. I hope he does a fantastic job. I hope he gets us back to the finals and I hope he coaches our club for a very, very long time. Good on you, mate. And I hope you keep on doing what you do because you're doing it well and you're a great uh, asset to the Bunyip community, mate. We really do appreciate your time this morning. Good on you, Aussie. Absolute pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Good on you, mate. Thank you. Aussie Jones, one of the superstars, uh, importantly, not only on the field, but as you heard, one of the superstars off the field. And that's an important part of who he is. And as you said, as he said, uh, what he, he really wants to be part of a community that's a healthy one for his kids. And that shows a, a bloke that's got his head screwed on well, which is, which is fantastic. He's, he's comfortable in his own skin. It's a, an important thing to be comfortable in because guess what? You're stuck with it. So make the most of it. Hey, Saturdays in Gippsland on SEN Track 91.3, Southwest Gippsland and 91.9 SEN Track Leptrove Valley. You can also listen live on the SEN app and at sen.com.au. Now, we're here in Wonthaggy talking sport live, 9 through to 11, as we do every Saturday morning. And we're doing it. Compliments of Harvey Norman Wonthaggy, your local store for computers and electrical. Guess what? They've got free click and collect available now. We're going to be talking more sport. Are we going to turn our attention to cricket? With Cameron White in just a moment. Uh, g'day, Gippsland. It's uh, Saturdays in Gippsland with Rob Hopplestone and Sam Watson. We talk sport and we do it every Saturday morning and in just a few minutes' time, not long, Cameron White's going to be joining us talking cricket. One of the superstars. Really excited about having him on the show. Abbott in bowl. Cameron White gets a full toss, doesn't get it through, but gets it well enough. South Africa scramble at the non-strikers and Cameron White leads Australia to victory. 41 from 31 balls. Cool as you like. Yeah, cool as you like. He is too, wasn't he? Cameron White, one of the greats. And for those who have just tuned in for the first time, you're listening to Saturdays in Gippsland with Rob Popplestone and Sam Watson. We talk sport and we talk what's happening in world sport, national sport, but we really like to hone in on those that started their careers in the Gippsland area. And sometimes they may have just driven through the area, and that's good enough for us to talk to. But this bloke, originally from Bandstar, which I didn't know, um, and, geez, wasn't he a superstar? Wasn't he, he was. a superstar, Sammy? Cameron White, who joins us right now. Morning, Cameron. How are you going? Uh, morning, fellas. How are you? Yeah, going good. Going good. How does a bloke from Bensdale end up being the youngest captain of uh, Victoria and then representing the country? Where does it, where does it all start for a, for a young kid in Bensdale? <laughs> um, oh, look, I'm not sure, but uh, oh, look, for me, it, start, it started off at the, at the Wyong Cricket Oval, probably you know, knocking around with my, with my old man, sort of 
growing up like any sort of young kid did down at the you know local sort of sports oval, and then from there you, you know you get involved in whether it's footy or cricket or whatever else you sort of do it when you're at a young age. But for me, yeah, sort of gravitated to cricket and you know um, sort of just. You know, sort of just, I just followed the pretty traditional sort of pathway for a young sort of cricketer in Victoria, to be honest. And were you always a gun cricketer in all the, like, were you always one of the best players in all the representative squads and that as you were coming through, Cameron? Or did you hit kind of hit form as you as you stepped up levels in in the in the later teens? Um, oh, I think I always sort of played in all those sort of rep sides, whether it was yeah, starting off in uh, in the country with the, you know, whether it was, jeez, uh, oh, I can't even remember what the competition was called back then. It was so long ago, maybe Co- Coca-Cola Cup or something like that. It was the <laughs> under-16s was, but yeah, but then, um, you know, big under-17s and under-19s I, I played and you know, as I sort of said, I, I followed the pretty much the, the pathway system that's still sort of in place for the young players, young cricketers in, in Victoria now, so... I don't know about a gun, but I, I managed to scrape into the um, you know those those uh, rep sides you know most of my sort of junior in junior days. As a young kid, I guess uh, probably idols have a fair impact on whether you want to become a you know a batsman or a bowler or both. Who were some of the idols of a young Cameron White? Oh, pretty obvious ones for me. I was sort of Warney was at his peak when I was sort of growing up, so that was that's probably where my um, well, leg, leg spinners, I started off probably and got my opportunity in first-class cricket as a leg spinner sort of thing. So definitely Warney. And the other player I really liked watching bat was Mark Waugh. So uh, two, you know, really entertaining players. So they were, um, you know, when I was growing up in Bensdale, watching a bit of cricket on the telly, they were the two that I sort of, I guess you subconsciously try to try to be like. And, and when you when you first started your career there, as you, as you touched on there, Cam, the selectors were... Obviously high on your batting ability, but they, you were also being looked at as a leggy. You're obviously more known for your batting as people look back at your career now, but were you confident at the time that you could cement your spot at a high-level bowling leggies? Yeah, I guess initially uh, that's how I got my opportunity. Um, and then, uh, But as a junior, I always probably I batted pretty high in the order sort of thing. So it's just worked out that the way I yeah, got into senior cricket, um, especially in Melbourne, was probably more batting sort of middle to lower order and, and you know, picked mainly as a bowler. But I, you know, uh, like any sort of young player, you know, tried to do, I just tried to do everything pretty much. I tried to bat and bowl and field and just be involved in the game sort of thing. So eventually, yeah, I think just a bit of natural progression with my batting, it sort of caught up to my bowling and then probably eventually my, you know, my batting sort of, you know, you know, got in front of where I could, you know, get to as a as a bowler sort of thing. So it was sort of, um, yeah. And I for a, for a while there, I was probably you know, really an all rounder. And then yeah, eventually as I got a bit older and learned how to bat, which, which takes a while. <laughs> um, yeah, I, my my batting sort of yeah became became the thing I was sort of getting picked for. Yeah, well, you've taken 195 first-class wickets. Nice. Cam has Poppy, so that's nothing to sneeze at. No, unbelievable. <laughs> what, what, I, I always, I always think about that moment. You know, you're, you're a young kid, and you, you, yeah, you're looking up to Shane Warne and Mark Warne, and then all of a sudden you're given the baggy green. Can you take us through that moment when you know it's coming? You've been selected, and it, it's uh, the baggy green's coming your way. Yeah, I guess mine was a was a bit of a um, shock there for. A, when I got uh, picked, because I think I was a late call up to, uh, I think the the test team was in India and um, you know they were about to start a warm up match, uh, a pre tour warm up sort of match over there. And someone, I think it might have been Bryce McGain, might have got injured, and then I got 
sort of rushed over there quickly, got a visa, and then you know very soon after that I was sort of you know as you sort of mentioned there getting getting a bag of green. So mine went from probably excitement to nerves pretty quickly. To if I was being uh, <laughs> if I'm being honest with you. So but um, yeah, looking back, it was that was you know playing in those. I only played four tests, but it was you know something. You can't, you know, no one can sort of take that away, but it was definitely, um, you know, bowling to some of those guys, um, you know, uh, in their home conditions was, was pretty tough work. And probably at that stage, you know, being honest with you, like my bowling, as we sort of just touched on, my bowling was probably just almost trending down, whereas my batting was trending up sort of thing. So it was quite of, um, looking back, it was a weird situation to be in, kind of like not at the top of my game, bowling to Dendulkar and Dravid and Laxman in India. Yeah. Um, you know, not not super confident with what I was doing. So, but again, I, I gave it an absolute, you know, the best shot I could, and you know, uh, you know, nothing, you know, can never, no one can take that away. No, exactly right. And, and cricket's one of those games that's evolved so quickly in so many areas. You know, you talk about playing four tests, but you had one day cricket, twenty twenty Big Bash IPL. There was so much going on. How, how do players get their head around the demands of cricket today? Because they, you'd have to. Oh, look, it'd have to be carefully planned, I suspect. Yeah, it does. And, you know, it's probably something um, that I only really caught up with me sort of later in my cricketing sort of life that, you know, I'd been away and, as you know, I was, I was born and bred in Bensdale and, you know, I, I love getting back to the country and I, you know, I would never sort of, and I like sort of being at home sort of thing. So, you know, 20 years down the track, I sort of was pretty worn out from just, you know, from travelling and being away yeah. from home a lot. So it's something you have to be probably pretty mindful as, you know, a professional cricketer these days. You've got to get your head around, you know, being in bubbles and, um, you know, away from home for long periods of time. And, and as you mentioned there, it is um, today's schedule, um, as the current players always talk about, is probably more busier than, than ever sort of thing. So uh, I guess you sort of got to get yourself into a mentality that your career doesn't last that long. So you've just got to make the most of it while you're going. Well, I think that your career lasted a bit longer than, yeah. than most, Cam. But you, you achieved way too much to go th- for us to go through your whole career. But apart from getting the baggy green, which we touched on, what, what do you look at as, as the highlight of your career? Yeah, obviously, all the games that, you, that I played for Australia were, were probably highlights. And, you know, the first ones are, you know, the ones that stick out. But, oh, look, I, the win, uh, Sheffield Shield wins for Victoria are something that I really, I really enjoyed playing for the Victor pretty passionate about sort of thing and you're great and you make sort of life lifelong sort of uh, friend friendships over those sort of wins and you know being um, you know at the end of the season you get a chance to celebrate and, and really have a good time and and, uh, and soak those wins up sort of thing so those you know uh, periods with the Vicks where we're winning shields and winning lots of games and really dominating seasons that, that that's something I sort of really you know remember well and, and hopefully do for a long time and I was at Marvel Stadium the day that the Renegades and BBL 08 pulled off that amazing comeback in the grand final. Where does that sit? <laughs> that was, Where does that sit uh, in your achievements, mate? Right, pretty close to the top. <laughs> that was a bit more personal, that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, that was a bit of a spite coming out, obviously, uh, starting, starting at the Stars and then moving across later to the Renegades. So that was, um, in terms of enjoyment, that was a very satisfying uh, uh, win, um, getting a bit uh, selfish there, a bit personal, you know, as opposed to being so better. Um, no, that, you know, uh, having played and, and started the Big Bash when it sort of started off with the Stars and then making so many uh, finals there and getting so close, it was, yeah, it was obviously a very uh, nice, uh, very sweet sort of victory, that one, um, to come up against the old team uh, to, to get the win. 
Yeah. You mentioned uh, lifelong friendships that are made. I'll, I'll shoot through some players and uh, just give us a one line on, on each of these players as they pop up. Darren Berry. Oh, passionate. Yeah, absolutely. Shane Warne. Oh, the best. Yeah. Dave, David Hooks. Oh, legend of the game. Great uh, great influence over my career, especially as a young player. Got a nice start and, you know, for, for the Vicks. So, yeah, I owe him a lot. Sorry, that was a lot more than one line. <laughs> no, nah, mate, you, you, whatever comes out. Brad Hodge. Uh, the Dodge. Jeez, uh, I'm not sure what I'd say about the Hodge. He's a funny man, but um, he was, a, you know, he's a Victorian great. Uh, Andrew Simons. Speaking of talented, I think he'd be right up there with one of the most talented players I've ever seen. He could do anything. Ricky Ponting. Legend. Uh, Justin Langer. Uh, Australian legend. And as we've read about in the last couple of weeks, he's a very passionate passionate and hardworking man. Uh, Michael Clark. Very good uh, tactician on the field and obviously great record for Australia, especially in in all formats, really. But he uh, he was an underrated tactician, I think. Sachin Tendulka. <laughs> Jeez, you really come on, come on. The, obvi- the obvious ones here, yeah, yeah. Um, come on, no, come on. Tell us what. Clearly, tell, tell, tell us about the time you took his wicket. Ah, uh, look, the, the lights <laughs> at the stadium that you know late afternoon. It was smoggy <laughs> afternoon. Like, it was dark, and I deceived him in the in the in the bad light. And he chipped one up the short cover. Like, yeah, probably I got a bit I, lucky there. I gave you a lollipop there to hit out of the park as soon as I mentioned his name. I had to encourage you to say it, though, didn't I? <laughs> I knew where you were going with it. <laughs> and just before we let you go, Cam, you're coaching now. Uh, what Were you always uh, interested in, in making the move to coaching after your playing days finished? <laughs> I guess growing up in, uh, in Bensdale and going just doing about 10 years of Bensdale secondary school, I didn't really have a lot of other choices on the table after I finished my career, career to be honest. But no, something that I'm you know, pretty passionate about. I'm working with the Adelaide Strikers and the Big Bashers as assistant coach yeah. and uh, a little bit here with uh, Victorian Second Eleven and their sort of underage program. So it's something I'm enjoying. It's a good transition to me sort of after playing for quite a while. So, yeah, um, hopefully I can uh, continue you know, with the coaching for a little while yet. Uh, good on you, mate. We look forward to having you, uh, you involved in cricket for a great... You've been a great ambassador to the game, and as people are listening throughout Gippsland now, they, they get a bit of an insight into who you are. And it's, uh, it's really great that you've made the time to have a chat with us this morning, Cam. Much appreciated. No, no stress at all. Good on you, mate. Cameron White, one of the uh, greats of this state, one of the greats of the country, and his record stands for itself, Sammy. Probably, probably our... Uh biggest name that we've had on this show I'd, I'd have to say yeah I'd, I'd think so in fact you've you've outdone yourself today we've, we've gone from Mozzie Jones to Cameron White I mean if we come up with Mike Tyson after the break I reckon it's going to be one of the great sports shows of all time have, yeah. we, got, have we got Mike Tyson no. after the break all right well we're getting close though aren't we we are getting close you're listening to Saturdays in Gippsland on SEN track 91.3 and 91.9 Southwest Gippsland as well. You can listen on the app and you can listen every Saturday morning between 9 and 11. It's Rob Popplestone, Sam Watson talking sport and we're doing it, well, for our friends at Harvey Norman Wonthaggy. Yeah, you are either on 91.3 or 91.9 SEN track. That's Electro Valley or Southwest Gippsland. You can listen live on the app, Rob Popplestone and Sam Watson, Poppy and Swatter talking sport as we do every Saturday morning between 9 and 11. If you've just tuned in, well, you've just missed... Two of the really good interviews, I would have thought. Yeah, it's been great. And, and I'm not pumping our ties up. Sure, we asked outstanding questions, but the fact was they gave even better answers. I'm talking about Aussie Jones, the uh, St Kilda exciting wingman who was absolutely fantastic, and Cameron White, 
youngest captain of Victoria, a uh, former captain of Australia, a former captain of Australia in T20, and he was a he was a ripping chap. And we got loads more. And, and you can catch it on the podcast. You as well. can indeed. You can indeed. We got loads more sport to talk after ten o'clock. Harvey Norman Wonthaggy, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. Live on SEN Track, Latrobe Valley 91.9 FM. And SEN Track, Southwest Gippsland 91.3 FM. Welcome to Saturdays in Gippsland. Yeah, big thank you to the guys at Harvey Norman Wonthaggy uh, who support this show. And uh, as we always say, make sure you support those businesses that support your sport. It's a circle that goes round and round, and anyone can benefit. Everyone can benefit. Hey, we've been talking football. We've been talking cricket. Uh, your mate uh, just went to get some money out of the ATM because it's a good race day at Fleming today. Uh, the Lightning Stakes, in which Nature Strip is the hot, hot favourite. But you've just noticed that there's one in there that you can't go past. My horse, what's that at $51? Swats that. Swatter. Swatter. Uh, look, my mate Tom Clark, who comes from Sale, oh, he actually said to me, hey, listen, do you want me to be part of the show? I'll give you my tips each week. It'd actually be probably worth following up. But what you do, rather than take his tips, you put a line straight through them mm. and it will narrow down the uh, potential winners. Like, for instance, today he, go, he goes race one, number four, Red Kelly. Uh, race four, number 12, Waltz on by. Race seven, number two, Eduardo. He says Eduardo to knock off the favourite. Okay. So what you can gather from that is that Eduardo has got no chance of winning that race. So if you're having a bet today, put a line straight through. What race? Th- that's the Lightning yeah, Stakes. Lightning, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lightning Stakes. Good race day, actually, at Flemington today. Oh, I'm, I'm finding it hard to go past Nature Strip, but I really liked Mask Crusader. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's he paying? What odds has he got? You can get eight dollars for Mask yeah. Crusader. Mask Crusader is uh, is my little tip. So we'll see how we go. We should start talking more footy too, because I've noticed footy starting just, to heat up. Just quickly, what's yeah. that's into forty six dollars. Oh. So the market's moving. <laughs> They're getting behind me. Yeah, <laughs> he's alright. He, he, I reckon a thousand might be a bit too short. Damien Oliver's writing what's well, that today. So. Yeah. Mate, one of the best of all time. That's it. Hey, some of the best of all time are going through their final pre-season preparations in the AFL. There's a bit happening, isn't there? I noticed that Sammy Walsh got injured. Yeah. Is that throughout this week, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was the syndesmosis injury, or what they used to be called an ankle sprain. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how these things yeah, have changed. Yeah, He's out for a while, though, for an ankle strain. He is. He'll miss the first four games, at least, I think, of the season. And, and we're still four weeks away, so that's an eight weak ankle injury, so it's obviously quite serious, but, geez, it throws the uh, market for the Brownlow up in the air. Oh, yeah. And what about those that are thinking fantasy football? Yeah, well, rule out Walsh, trade him in after round six or so, and probably get a bit of value for him if he gets off to a slow start. Uh, do you get into the fantasy football? I play super coach, yeah. Yeah, how do you go? Um, it, it depends how much time I can put into it. Yeah. When you, when you can spend a lot of time researching and reading articles and, and watching the games, you can... I, I've finished in the top 3 or 4% a couple of Is times. Is that right? But yeah. the average when I'm not really too invested in the top 15. So so those that are driving around Gippsland at the moment who play fantasy football would understand. What about those that don't play it? How does, how does super coach and fantasy football work? Well, it's, it's pretty simple in, in our... 
in, in our sport is just how, however many touches you yes. get. You get a certain amount of points, but you also get points. Oh, I suppose it's not that simple. You get points for tackles. You get points for goals. Yes. It's all weighted by champion data who do super coach that they allocate a certain amount of points and it's all weighted. So a goal is worth 10. So okay. Bit, so, and the tackle, I'm not sure what a tackle might be, five points. So yep. if a player has 30 touches that are effective because that, that matters as well mm-hmm. at a reasonable um, efficiency rate, you'll get 100 points, no worries. If they kick a couple of goals, lay a fair few tackles, they'll get a really good score, which is 150. And you pick the whole side? Is there a whole side? Is that what you pick or you pick... You pick 22 players on the field and eight on the bench in Supercoach. Okay, so you've got... How come so many players? How come you've got 30 when a normal side's got 22? Well, it's not a normal side, is it? It's, well, it's, it's not. A, no, it's a uh, fantasy league, but yeah, that's the way it works. And so if you've got a, a team of 30, each week 30 players might not be available. Is that right? Or, or, or are you... So, so you've got 22 on the field yes. and eight on the bench. So I think you have six defenders. Yes. Six forwards. Yes. Eight midfielders. Okay. And two rucks. Yes. And then... Eight on the bench, is that? Okay. I think my maths would add up there. Okay. I yeah. wasn't adding it up, yeah, but I'll no, just take your word for it. That's 30, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to have a look. A few mates are starting to post on my Facebook mm-hmm. uh, feed, and I'm sort of starting but, to get my head around but it. You can also play Fantasy AFL Fantasy, which is separate to Supercoach, but very similar. You can also play that. I'm not exactly sure of the ins and outs on Whatever that happened to football tipping? Do people just tip winners these days? Yeah, I don't know. I know at the Greyhound Club where I work, we, we charge people $25 to enter our tipping competition. Mm-hmm. And, and you get, say, 100 entries. But guess what? If you win it, two tickets, corporate tickets, to the AFL Grand Final. Can I enter? You can. Oh, all right. You do have to come into the venue to put your tips on. But I, uh, I know you know a bloke that works there that might be able to... I'll drive from Melbourne or one day to sail every week. That doesn't bother me. Hey, I'm there every day. So make sure that you, you utilise me. Hey, we, we will be talking uh, footy... In the uh, weeks ahead, there's no question about that. We'll probably talk footy anyway in this hour with Jared Blair, the former Collingwood champion who's now coaching one Thaggy, recently married, uh, recently been on a honeymoon. That's it. But he's ready to be talking to us uh, in this hour. And I'm looking forward to Georgie Howe, who's had some success on the road in cycling as well, uh, Swatter. So she, she just won the Tour of Gippsland. Did she? Yeah. Yep. Well, we'll be talking to Georgie Howe. And as I say, Jared Blair will be... Giving our thoughts on the AFL teams as we start to edge closer to what's going to be a really exciting 22-22 season. Not 22-22, 20-22 season. It'd be interesting to see what AFL football looks like in 22-22. While they, AFL's just come out th- uh, during the week and said that there will be 100% capacity at all the grounds. So. No, but I mean in the year 22-22. Oh, 22-22. Um, yeah, well, hopefully the AFL's still around then. I wonder if it will be. Oh, I reckon. Oh, who knows, actually. It's 200 years is a long time. It is. It is. They say a week's a long time in football. 200 years. Wow. <laughs> uh, you're listening to Saturdays in Gippsland. Rob Popplestone and Sam Watson. We talk sport every Saturday morning. We'd love you to be involved by supporting those people that support the show. And one of them is Harvey Norman in Wonthaggy, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. A short break. We'll be back talking with Georgie Howe and also Jared Blair. Yeah, talking sport as we do every Saturday morning, 9 till 11, with a focus on those that are competing in our area or those who are making the most of a foundation of sport in the area. Now, we've parked our cars outside the uh, South Gippsland Sentinel Times to uh, broadcast live sport. 
And we've got a parking inspector, Mark and Ty. So we're a bit wary at the moment. We're looking at our clock. We've got 45 minutes. 45. How are you going? Are we okay for 45 minutes? Oh, my tie's been marked. <laughs> All right, we've got an hour from now. We've got 45 minutes of the show. So we, we're just going to make it, which is great news. Thanks for the uh, heads up. Hey, if you just tuned in, we've been talking sport. Cameron White joined us, uh, Australian T20 captain and one of the youngest captains ever, to, uh, Captain Victoria. Great player. Great chat he was too, and Aussie Jones also. And at the top of the show at 9 o'clock, we spoke about Dan Andrews making a play for the Commonwealth Games with a plan that regional Victoria would play a big part. And we made mention that cycling in this area could be one of the considerations given the uh, Mitchelton tour of Gippsland. Yeah, big success. Yeah, it was too. And uh, we're blessed to have Georgie Howe, who was successful in that, join us right now. Hi, Georgie. How are you going? How's it going, guys? Yeah, I'm going well. I just uh, got in from a, from a ride in preparation for the Melbourne to Warrnambool tomorrow. Wow. Okay. So the Melbourne to Warrnambool tomorrow, uh, mm-hmm. well, that's that's a decent distance. Do you go Great Ocean Roadway? Yeah. So actually, it's the first year that we've got a women's only event. So typically, it's a race within a race. So the women race with the men who are racing currently at this very moment. They race from Avalon Airport um, through to um, Colac shoot down south and then at Port Campbell you should get onto the Great Ocean Road. But um, the UCI has a maximum limit for how long women's racing can be. So we're racing 160 kilometres tomorrow from Colac. So we'll jet south and then, as I said, head on to the Great Ocean Road at Port Campbell. So you've got a 160 kilometre race ride tomorrow. You've Mm -hmm. just been out and have a ride this morning. How far did you ride this morning? Uh, Not too far. It was about 60 k's just with some openers to get the legs. Yeah, to get the legs legs nice and uh, firing, ready to go. See, a lot of people will be driving around Gippsland hearing you say you've just gone for a nice 60k ride just to turn the legs over in preparation for a 160k ride tomorrow and be going, wow, that's about $35 of petrol. That's a, that's a decent <laughs> drive for me. Uh, how many k's are you clocking up a week? Uh, on a regular training week, it's uh, depending on the elevation I'm climbing, it's between about 500 and 600, but uh, usually clocking up between 18 hours and 21 hours of training each wow. week. Yeah, a lot of time in the saddle, isn't it? Uh, well, let, let's mm-hmm. go have, have a chat about the Mitchelton Tour um, and take us through what that event uh, presented for you. Uh, so it was actually um, only my second tour, uh, like stage oh, race wow. that I've, okay. I've competed in, because I'm fairly new to cycling. Um, really, it was uh, my first elite race was road nationals in January, and um, so I've uh, tried every race to improve upon the race before, um, and I feel like yeah, the tour of Get Signed offered just another opportunity to learn. So um, stage one was extremely um, challenging, in, in extremely challenging conditions with um, uh, three laps of a very of a tough circuit. Um, we had high winds, um, high, a lot of heat, uh, and um, a, a very motivated peloton. So um, I, uh, we had a team plan that I would um, go on the last little kick up to the finish line because there was a nice descent into the finish. So you'd be going about 70, 80 k's an hour into the finish line. So if I could get a gap on that climb up to the, that, that long descent, um, hope, the hope would be I could hang on. But um, Nearly got it, got rolled about 300 metres to the line uh, when Maeve Plouffe uh, came over to, to win at that stage. And then, yeah, stage two, uh, it was a bit of a crazy race plan from our um, director sportive, our DS, Taryn Heather. Uh, it, was, uh, it was either, she said to us, it's either going to be a really good day or it's going to be a really long day. So 
um, we committed and um, I managed to get away. I would have liked to have had one other person with me, but um turned out to be a nice 64K <laughs> solo wow. uh, effort. And then um, the, the next stage, the crit, um, it was all about just protecting yellow. I had one job, which was just not let uh, my closest uh, GC contenders get away. So that was Maeve Plouffe and Amber Pate. So I stuck to them like glue, um, and then my teammates just took care of the rest. It was a really, it was a true display of teamwork that crit. I was, uh, in fact, the whole tour, um, we raced as a team. It wasn't like, yes, I stood on the podium, but it was a real team effort. Right, and you, you mentioned there you were protecting yellow on the on the last day, and on the in the second stage, you you built the race winning leg from from an attack on on Mount Misery. Where's it, Mount Misery? Mm-hmm. Where is Mount Misery? Yeah, where it, do you know? Do you know the town that Mount Misery is in? I know it's on the Invlock circuit. Do you know whereabouts it actually is, Georgie? Uh, it's about. It was about. Uh, well, I can tell you it's about seventeen k's out of Invlock. <laughs> so, okay. um, so, but I can't tell you where exactly it is. But it's. Uh, we headed. We headed out north, and then we took a right hand turn, and it was pretty much about or five k's after that right hand turn. Okay, um, so Misery it, started. It, it, yeah, it's it's just after Outram heading heading up the hill towards Miyara there. Okay, and is it is it mm. aptly named? Yeah, aptly named Mount Misery. Uh, <laughs> we've, got a sim- we've got a similar climb here in, in the Dandenongs called Parents Creek Road. So I would yeah. probably compare it to that. Uh, if anyone knows Parents Creek, it's um, yeah, it was a uh, it, it was a tough climb, and it was um, wasn't it was uncategorized, so it wasn't on any of the like QLMs or anything like that. Uh, so um, the other team in form, PMX Mate, uh, with Matilda, Matilda Reynolds, um, Carly Taylor and Amber Pate, they had a plan to just book it up that climb and it really they split, split the race apart. Like people were dropping like flies. So um, And then uh, I just waited for my teammate Emily to attack as we had planned and then um, I counted. Georgie, as a cyclist, you know, I mean, I mean, in in most sports, the the pinnacle is representing an AFL. It's representing an AFL side. In in cricket, it's representing the country. It, what is it for a cyclist? Is it representing the country? Is it making a European team, or is it or is it various various things? I think that's the beauty about cycling. Is um, so, I come from a rowing background where the pinnacle was you represent your country at either yeah. a World Championships or an Olympic Games. Um, and uh, that was pretty much the only goal. Whereas in cycling, there are so many different avenues in which you can take to get that recognition um, uh, at, a, at an international or national level. So here we've got the National Road Series. You can represent an NRS team, which a lot of people aim to get on. Um, and then the next step onto that is a World Tour or a con- continental team. So that way you can go race internationally. Um, and then you've also got um, the opportunity to represent your country at uh, World Championships. Uh, so we're very lucky to have those in Wollongong this year in September, um, which will be a, a beautiful showcase of, of Australian cycling, I think, um, which, uh, yeah, it will be awesome. You know, I look back uh, a couple of decades ago, a few decades now, Cathy Watt, I reckon, uh, representing Australian Olympics, sort of raised my eyebrows to, to women's cycling. How competitive, mm-hmm. how, how much growth has happened since those days? Um. Look, I'm probably the wrong person to ask in that I'm so new to, to the sport, but um, from what I hear from um, uh, teammates of mine who have been around and uh, my, tar- my DS Taryn, she's, she's a, a, got a huge legacy in the sport and the, the standard has lifted significantly and I think yeah. that's got to do with um, increased um, visibility on social media. Like, I, 
Matilda mm. Reynolds, she's a great ambassador for women's cycling. She says you can't be what you can't see, and I totally agree. So yeah. coverage has just gotten better. It could also be better. There's always room to, to improve there, but um, it's uh, on social media, on SBS. Um, yeah. It's just getting more and more coverage. Um, people are realising that it's an avenue in which they can take uh, funding at a at the level we're get, we're slowly getting up to the men at a at a world tour level in terms of salaries. So that's becoming um, more accessible for women to actually ride professionally. They don't have to have they don't it's, they don't have to have a day job in order to pursue their passion yeah. in cycling. Now, you mentioned Matilda Reynolds there, Georgie, who we did have a chat to last week. She rides for Inform TMX Make, and you ride for Knights of Suburbia. Where, whereabouts yeah. did Knights of Suburbia finish overall in the standings? I think we were fourth of the team's class. Okay. Um, so. Uh, so, but, um, which is, yeah, still a, a really good result for us. Um, yeah. We have um, Emily, Emily Watts leading the under-23 um, classification. Um, and uh, we managed to... I mean, for, it was the first... Uh, well, TDU was our first stage win for the team. So that was Emily Watson's stage one at Tour, Tour Down on, uh, Santos Festival Cycling Open Adelaide in January. And then um, this Tour of Gippsland was the first tour win for the team. So it's a, it's a brand-new team. Uh, we're the new kids on the block, so we're, we're just having fun. <laughs> yeah, so Knights of Suburbia, maybe if they were... Probably if they were called the Knights of Country Gippsland, they might have had a better result. <laughs> they, they might have. <laughs> they might have too. They might have too. Hey, how'd you find how'd you find South Australia's tour? I, I spent a, a lot of time over in South Australia, and the tour down under. I don't think people around the country, unless you've been there, understand just the uh, the, the amount of support and uh, and spectators they get. Ah, oh, it was an incredible experience. Um, I was absolutely flabbergasted at the support like we had uh, for everything from the police convoy out to each stage yeah. to, um, to to the spectators on the side of the road to um, the um, best dressed town um, uh, competition they have of all the towns we ride through um, I just think it was it was a spectacular um, event and something that I hope to compete in um, next year as well uh, the outfit, um, but it was um, yeah Adelaide's a fantastic fantastic area. I haven't been back to that, that part of the world since um, my, uh, my teenage years, so it was great to revisit that. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it really is great. I used to yeah. just love, you know, the way little country towns like Stirling and Harndorf and those sort of towns yeah. really put on a party, and they, they only see the peloton go through for, you know, five or ten seconds. <laughs> they send, they yeah. spend about six or seven hours celebrating. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just like the Tour de France, right? Like, you see yeah. those, those towns on the tour, the, the, the peloton rolls through, as you say, like 10, 15 seconds. You might have a, someone in the, in the peloton who's a hometown favourite, um, and the, the, they just lap it up. Um, the yeah. Decorations come out. It's a, it's a huge party. I mean, any excuse for a party, especially after all the ups and downs with COVID. Um, I think everyone yeah. just wants any excuse to celebrate. Yeah, exactly. Hey, listen, you, you mentioned you were a rower, and, you know, I was amazed these days that they... Uh, the, the, the testing that goes on for athletes before they even can, before they even sit in a boat, you know, are, are you physically mm. uh, capable? You know, they, they do a lot of testing before you get in the boat because they know that you've got the sort of physique and all those other elements uh, that escape me at the moment. How did you get into rowing? Uh, were you were you uh, you know handpicked to start that? Then how did you get out of rowing and get on the bike? Uh, so I actually don't have the typical physique of a um, 
of a rower. I'm, I'm, I have what my mother calls the duck's disease. I have short legs and a long body. Um, so I'm about five foot eight, which is pretty short for a, for a rower. They typically yeah. around five eleven and upwards. Um, uh, I I got into it in high school because my mates were doing it, um, and yes. then uh, I have a bit of an engine. So that um, but I had to work really hard on the technical side of things because I had to get as much length as I could in the boat. I rode sweep oar, which is one oar. Um, so you have it's all about creating an arc and getting as much length as possible, so your blades in the water for as long as possible. Um, and uh, through that journey, I've seen a, a whole bunch of the world. I, I went over to the US for college for four years. I rode on wow. um, some national teams for Australia over in some pretty cool places such as Bosnia and Bulgaria um, and Spain. Um, but, um, yeah, I basically got a bit burnt out. I was 13 years in the sport um, in 2019 and I uh, felt like I was just bashing my head up against a bit of a brick wall and I was ready for yeah. something new. So. Um, I hung up the oars there. I had great support from my workplace, which is EY. I'm a management consultant there in their elite athlete program. Um, and then in COVID lockdown, I decided I wanted to get back into endurance exercise, bought myself an indoor trainer, got onto Zwift um, and got a love back for the long grind. Um, and then I ran into uh, an old coach of mine on Beach Road. He uh, was a sports scientist for the cyclists and I was at the Victorian Institute of Sport for rowing. Um, he knew my physiology from that, from his experience there. And uh, this is Nick Owen. He offered to coach me. And um, honestly, I owe that man, like that, that breakaway, that 64 kilometer breakaway is all due, due to him. Yeah. He's the magician, <laughs> the maestro yeah. behind, behind the computer programming it and uh, also believing in me when I often don't Think, believe in myself and yeah and physiology was the word i was looking for so thanks for that <laughs> sam um yeah right. so just before we let you go georgie as you said you got the melbourne to warnable uh race yeah. tomorrow what else is on the calendar in the coming months what what big races can we expect to see you in so uh we've got so warning melbourne to warning tomorrow uh and then it's about six weeks until the um oceania championships up in brisbane um, so that will be the, the next port of call for that. Uh, I'll be racing the time trial and road race up there. Um, so you can expect to, to hopefully see my name on the entry list and uh, hopefully a good result there. And then... Oh, um, yes, great. Yeah. No, go on. Sorry, I, I cut you off there, but... Um, no, 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 to... I'm, I'm done. I'm, no, I'm known to ramble. My team makes fun of me. <laughs> I, gonna, no, yeah. I, I like words. <laughs> no, nothing wrong with that. Fantastic. And you like the bike as well. You're doing a super job. Fantastic to see. And uh, we're looking forward to following you. Your uh, 2022 season. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. You guys have a great weekend. Good on you, Georgie. You too. Thanks for that. Georgie Howe, who tomorrow will be competing in the Melbourne to Warnable cycling event. Look forward to uh, having her on next year to see if she can defend her title. I'm actually making that same trip in March, going the Great Ocean Road. And I was having a look, and, well, I won't make it to Warnable. So I'm driving from Melbourne to Port Campbell because that's a long enough drive for me, about four and a half four and a half hours in the car mm-hmm. is about right enough time to sort of appreciate the 12 apostles at port campbell mm-hmm. i was actually just looking through that uh, through that road trip yesterday they're riding the bike from melbourne to warnable now warnable's another i reckon an hour and a half past port campbell solid <laughs> yeah it's solid i don't know how they do it as you uh, said the physiology of the the makeup of these athletes yeah is quite extraordinary and not everyone can do what these guys can do and you know it's another level when you're going to the Tour de and under another level when you're competing in Europe and the Tour de France I guess is the pinnacle 
of that. Well, the pinnacle of this show is Sammy Watson. And just below him is Rob Popplestone. Saturdays in Gippsland, we're talking sport. And we're going to be doing a little bit more of it after this break. Yeah, Rob Popplestone, Sam Watson, talking sport as we do every Saturday morning between 9 and 11. And we do it, as you heard from those great guys, or because of those great guys, Harvey Norman, Wonthaggy, your local store that is supporting... A local radio show. Uh, listen, Sam, just off the uh, top here, before we catch up with Jared Blair, uh, I'm going to go through some sides. Let me know if they're going to make the top eight or not. All right? Fremantle. Yes. Fremantle, yes. Essendon. Yes. Unfortunately. Uh, Hawthorne. No. GWS. Uh, no. No. You know. No. Uh, Carlton. No. West Coast. No. Richmond? Yes. All right. Uh, Gold Coast? No. Adelaide? Mm, just outside. Collingwood? Uh, Don't just be biased. Just outside. Port Adelaide? Yes. St Kilda? Yes. Geelong? Yes. Uh, Bulldogs? I've really got to keep track of how many I've yeah, said I'm, yes I'm hoping to. you don't because this will be part of the fun conversation. Uh, Bulldogs, yes? Yeah. Sydney? Uh Yep. Uh, Melbourne. Yep. Brisbane. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'm going to have to kick Essendon out. <laughs> One sec. What about Brisbane? Yeah, Brisbane. All right. And uh, North Melbourne. No. Okay. So One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You've got ten sides in the top eight. Who okay, are we going to get rid of? So we're getting rid of... Essendon? We're getting rid of... Frio's just outside. Frio, you got rid of Fremantle? Yep. yep. And Geelong drop out. Geelong drop out of the finals for the first time in 300 years, I reckon. Yeah. So Geelong's out. So your top eight consists of Essendon, Richmond, Port Adelaide, St Kilda are into the top eight. Yeah, the Saints are in for a big one. Bulldogs, Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane. Mm. Top four? Uh, Melbourne, Bulldogs, Brisbane and... Port have a down year. I'll throw, I'll throw Sydney in there. Sydney in the top four. Mm. Not oh. sure where I'm going with Sydney, but they're just, I'm gonna, they're just uh, good. Now I'm going they're to, I'm going to put that away, and we're going oh, to bring it up at various yeah. times of the season. I have not had any preparation for this. <laughs> uh. Uh. Anyway, well, well, we can do that, but I want to have a revised okay. one next week. Well, well, let's do a revised one next week. But just off the top, it's, it's you know, just uh, reflex what your thoughts were. And, and probably mine wouldn't be too different, to be mm-hmm. honest, about that top eight. But, uh, you know, you're really, you're right. You need to put a bit of thought in it. And St Kilda wouldn't be in my top eight, I've got to tell you. And I don't reckon Essendon would be either. But then I'd have to choose which sides are going to mm. step up. And yeah. that's the interesting point. You know, I'm a Richmond man, but I'm hoping the Tigers just stay there. You know, just where they are. I think they're at a bit of a crossroads after, okay. you know, a successful handful of years. I'm going to take a break before we catch up with Larry. All right, we'll do that right now. Come back and speak with the one thaggy coach and former Collingwood star, Jared Blair. Still all the time in the world. Just under eight minutes. Revolt third man up. Opportunity for ball head down. Die that. Couldn't control it. Revolt out of the congestion. It runs on and on. Maxwell tracking it back. Touching it right on the chalk. Watch it again for a moment. It looks gone. He does brilliantly. What about the wheel of Lenny Hayes? Nick of time indeed. Nick's all round. Rebold kicked it. Maxwell got back. Now, Poppy, I've had a couple of people ask me 
recently mm-hmm. that a few weeks ago when we had Blair on the line, I made a wrong statement about somebody smothering a ball or yep. maybe touching, I should use the word, touching it on the line, yep. saying Nick Maxwell instead of Heath Shaw. But I was talking about the audio that we just heard there yes. from the drawn grand final when Nick Maxwell pretty much saved the game. There were about eight minutes left. Scores were 61-60 in Collingwood's favour. Mm-hmm. And he did probably one of the most um, under-appreciated acts because not many people really speak about it in, in grand final history, saving that game. And I just wanted to play that to let everybody know that I knew what I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I just wonder if you weren't a Collingwood supporter, whether we actually would have brought that up at all. Wow. Because we tend to play a lot of Collingwood highlights on this show, I've noticed Collingwood, over the... Collingwood have a great uh, affiliation with Gippsland. <laughs> they do. What can I say? And this bloke is one of them. The thing you've probably got to learn is daylight savings mm. hasn't finished as yet. Now, I understand that you told Blairy would be... Giving him a call at 9.40? Yeah. Yeah, I was off with the fairies. Jared Blair joins us now. Hey, Blairy, how are you going? Good morning, boys. How are we going? Yeah, good. We're just teaching uh, Sam that the big hand needs to be uh, on the eight and the small hand just past the nine rather than what we've called you. We've called you at 10.40 where I think maybe you were expecting a call at 9.40. Oh, sorry, so apologies. Blair. Well, it's lucky you actually got it wrong, Sam, because if it was 9.40, I was nowhere near my phone and I completely forgot. <laughs> it, was, it was lucky I just got back to my phone now and had six missed calls and jumped on just in time. So. Uh, you all by, well all blurring, by design, whatever by the looks of it. Yeah, I think it, so. Exactly right. Hey, we haven't spoken to you since you since you got married a couple of weeks ago. We had Bo Vernon on the line and to talk about um, talk about some weather conditions you had to contend with, I hear. How, how did the wedding day go? Yeah, it was a good day. Um, I think it the five hours of rain had Three or four weeks was all just around wedding time, so um, all our best laid plans got thrown up in the air last minute. But um, yeah, it all turned out well, and everyone involved, we sort of had to shuffle things around and squeeze everyone into the marquee. But um, yeah, it all went well, and we had a great day. Which of the uh, former Collingwood teammates played up most, Blairy? I actually was chatting to a few boys last night, and there was a bit of a bit of a mention that Ben Reid was actually painful. They said. <laughs> Trying to avoid him during speeches, all that sort of carry on. So he uh, wasn't his best night, really, I don't think. No, no. We, we, we caught up with Ozzy Jones uh, uh, earlier in the show. He's a great chat, and he's obviously a great bloke. And he was very complimentary of yourself, Larry, as uh, as a player, and thought it was obvious when he was coaching you that you were going to go into bigger and better things. Can you recall uh, Ozzy as a coach? Yeah, I, I definitely. Um, I sort of. I reflect a little bit on my time with Aussie as just one of those lucky moments, you know. I think um, I was in an event last night and we sort of got talking and it was the discussion ended up saying, like, you, sometimes you just get lucky, you know. A really good player might land at a certain club at the wrong time in their history and next thing you know, you've played 10 games and you're out the door and your career's all over. Um, yeah. And my, my sort of thoughts with Aussie are, you know, I was lucky that um, I only had 12 months with him, but he was he was really influential for me and he was a great coach and he was he was fun and he was positive and he pushed all us guys um and to, to be honest look potentially don't get drafted or rookie listed without the support of you know Aussie Jones and Pete Francis and they were really um supportive of me and probably pushed my case pretty hard when you know there wasn't a lot of interest around um and I think too you do like a lot of the time you do need to make make noise to actually get yourself recognised a little bit. And I was lucky because, you know, a lot of kids don't make noise about themselves. I was lucky that I had the support of 
of Aussie and Pete Francis to probably get me over the line in the end. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, so, so in your situation, Blurry, uh, when you're coaching one Thaggy, and you probably want to make a case for one of your players to go on to bigger and better things, but you also want them to be part of your side because you're trying to win a, a grand final. Did you have you have you been confronted with that dilemma at all? Uh, not so much to this point. I mean, we only got the ten or eleven games in, and. Yeah. You know, say a VFA program was even more disrupted than us last year. Um, but I really, I, I think, you know, I can see that fork in the road coming. We've got some pretty good talent there. Um, and, you know, our, our whole mentality and ethos is that we want to develop these kids to go on to bigger and better things. Um, yep. In the meantime, you just hope that the stars align and um, you can pitch a couple of premierships in the meantime. But, you know, it is one of those ones you go, well, let's push these kids to go try their luck at VFL and if they go well at VFL, maybe they're putting their hand up for the next level again. Um, and then you hope just in time that they do come back and, you you know, you get a bit of reward out of pushing forward to that level because they come back. You know, obviously you spend one pre-season in the VFL program, you're going to come back a fitter, stronger, better player. So yeah. I think the rewards are there. It just might be more long-term and um, can't get too caught up in the in the short-sightedness of just trying to win week to week. It's a bigger plan to push towards. And just going back to 2008, the year that you were coached by Aussie Jones, Blair, you, you won the Morrish medal, which for those who don't know is the league yeah. best and fairest in the TAC Cup. What, were you expecting to... Were you, did you think that you'd be towards the top on vote count night, mate, or was, did it come as a bit of a surprise? Uh, I, was, yeah, I was pretty surprised. Uh, you're sort of just going about your business week to week and... You know, I don't think, whilst you're playing good footy to try and get drafted, no one's there playing to try and win themselves a league BNF, and we were just sort of focused on trying to get a kick um, and getting the best out of ourselves. And, yeah, I mean, it was a great night, and I'm really proud to have, to have won that. Um, it's, got, it's an interesting award, too, because it's like a period of time there, you, there's, there's a lot of good players taken out of the competition. Mm. So, it's, uh, you know, you've got to try and be consistent, play good footy when you can, and I, I only missed it. One or two games, it's big, big country. I didn't play the whole carnival, so um, that probably helped me a little bit. But yeah, it was yeah, pretty proud of it. And just getting getting to uh, one thaggy in their preparations now, Larry had an intra club practice match on Thursday night, I believe. How did how did that go? And, and who are some of the names that impressed you? Uh, yeah, it went well, Swatter. Uh, it was just good to have a run around. Actually, it's good to have a bit of competitive footy. We we discussed, you know. The, you can train all your life until you sort of get into that match sim stuff. Um, we really don't know where we're at. and It was good to see a few boys run around. and um, Yeah, I think a couple of young kids are really sort of pushing their case. You know, young Jai Gilmore's had a great pre-season. Um, you know, he's a top-quality kid too, and it's been really encouraging to see the sort of work he's, he's put in. Um, committed every night. I don't think he's missed a session. Uh he won our, our reserves best and fairest last year and played some really solid footy and pretty excited to see where he can get to this year. He, he deserves a decent crack at it, I think, just from the work he's done over the summer. And he's a pretty talented individual. So, um, Jai played pretty well. Um, the, the, the usuals were pretty good. Um, my brother was pretty solid. We've sort of been razzing him up a little bit. He got a little bit... Um, comfortable over the summer and maybe a little heavier than, he, than he'd like but he's, he's back in Rip and Nick now and he's putting in the hard yards so that it was good to see him go around um, 
yeah, it was, it was all pretty encouraging. Tom, Tom Houston was moving well, having a bit of a jump in the ruck, so it was good to see too. I, um, I caught up with the president of the Sale Footy Club just yesterday. Uh, we're doing a little video down there at the Greyhound Club and we got chatting about football and you've obviously got those guys first up. Um, they're really looking forward to the contest because they feel as though with you in the first round and Lee and Gather in the second round, they're going to know exactly where they are after two weeks of football. But I, I, I get the feeling they're going to be ready to go and I guess you're going to be yeah. you're going to be in the same boat. Yeah, I'd like to think we'll be right there with them. Yeah, but it'll be a um, no doubt be a cracking game, and it'll be good to, like the Sailor boys are saying, kick the year off with a really strong match. Um, it seemed like that game was a little bit cursed last year. I think we were <laughs> scheduled to play each other three times, and I reckon the last time that was all called off on the Friday night due to COVID. So it'll be good to get out there and um, see what the Sailor boys have got. I know they've got some really quality players, and I was with Shannon Lang. Um, for a season at Port Melbourne there, and I think I reckon I would have. I personally thought he was probably the best player in the competition that year. He was. He'd get tagged every week and have 30 plus and kick goals. So um, looking forward to seeing what sort of footy Shag is playing. Hopefully not to that level like he was at the VFL for our <laughs> sake, but uh, should be a good contest, no doubt. Yeah, and and I reckon that you know a round one contest like that is sort of the uh, the, the the reason why people can work hard and should work hard in anticipation of what's going to be, you know, a, a great first-up game? Yeah, I think um, we've had a conversation with a few of our, our boys. It's, you sometimes lose sight of, of why we're doing it, you know, because it's been... It feels like, really, we've done four or five pre-seasons to 11 games of footy. Um, yeah. And they don't probably... Not having lost sight, but you sort of forget how, how good the reward is and how good rocking up on a Saturday is and, and getting a good win or in, in a tight contest or, you know, you don't always get, get the result, but um, the fact that you can throw it all out there and, and see how you go is the reward for the work you do during the week. So I reckon the boys with, you know, practice matches for us only a couple of weeks away against, um, you know, play Croydon, I think the reward there is going to be there for them. Uh, yes. And especially a few of these younger guys who have really invested, uh, and are keen to play some good senior footy, they're going to get an opportunity to, to throw their hat in the ring, which will be good. Yeah, yeah, it'd be fantastic. As much as you're looking forward to play, we're looking forward to watching you play because that's all we do these days. But it's uh, it's it's uh, it's creeping up on us pretty quickly, Blurry. So we we can't wait, mate. So hey, listen, well done. Thanks for uh, taking the call this morning, uh, albeit at the wrong time, which turned out to be the right time. <laughs> yeah, I've been sitting by the phone for an hour, sweater. <laughs> Good on you, Blurry. Good on you, mate. Thanks, Jared Blair. There, the coach of Wanthaggy. Uh, you. Ex Collingwood superstar and uh, all round good bloke. Uh, love chatting to him on a, on a regular basis as we do. We uh, well, we've got a little bit of time left, but not a whole lot. So we'll take a quick break and be back to wrap up the show. Yeah, as we wrap up the show, Rob Popplestone, Sam Watson, talking sport as we do every Saturday morning between nine and eleven. Just speaking to Blair, he sort of just uh, sparked a conversation I had during the course of the week with what is now a former North Gippsland Football Netball League coach and Rick Galea. Uh, given the sideways shove at Hayfield. Probably surprisingly, I'd say. In fact, I know Rick was pretty surprised with it. I was surprised with it. And most people that know Rick were surprised with it as well. And part of the reason was, Swatter, just numbers to training. And the more you talk to people, the more you realise that as much as we're going back to normal, we have we don't appear to have got normal just yet back mm. at our community footy clubs. 
a lot of them are just struggling with numbers. And one of the things, and this is just what I've heard, I haven't confirmed this, one of the things that North Gippsland Football Netball League are considering is dropping their reserves on field from 18 back to 16 and maybe dropping bench from four to three, both in seniors, four to three, uh, keeping 18 on the senior mm-hmm. field and uh, just to assist with numbers. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that a lot of leagues around Gippsland would probably be in the same boat because we're starting to sneak closer to the season, but... Um, I'm not sure the players have made the efforts yet. Yeah, there's a, there's certainly a few COVID hangovers, if that's what you want to call it. Players aren't that keen, especially mm-hmm. makes it hard when we've had two pretty much two well one year where there was no footy after people put in a preseason, yeah. and then another year where there was half a season, and but it's felt like you put in a full season of effort off the field. So. Yeah, I think we'll do a bit of research this week on leagues and just find out just how close they are to having what they need. Uh, We're just about to wrap up for another Saturdays in Gippsland show. We'll see you same time next week. Catch it all on the podcast.